You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. I pray that you are well today. Um, I woke up with uh, a passage of scripture on my heart, and it's this, um, well, it's like in the core of Romans 12, um, and it like celebrates uh, what it means to follow Jesus is what it means to kind of honor the very gift of who God is, uh, and it talks about kind of in that particular passage of scripture, it talks about the fact that um, we have the privilege and the honor um, of, um, of weeping with those who weep uh, and of like celebrating with those who celebrate. And we have an opportunity to live life in the midst of all of that. Can I, I'm just want to summarize uh, Romans 12 because it just like, it's not what I'm preaching on today, but it just feels like that um, it's some, like some beautiful words that can be spoken into our spirit uh, in these moments. Uh, it says love, starting in uh, verse, verse nine, uh, love must be sincere. Uh, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, uh, honor one another uh, above yourselves. Uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep up your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and, and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people um, in low positions. Don't be conceited and do not repay anyone uh, evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right uh, in the eyes of everyone. Paul goes on there to talk about like, like don't take revenge. And then again, on the contrary, like if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Uh, if he or she is thirsty, give them something to drink. Uh, do, not, like, ov- do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I, I just want to celebrate um, what I know to be the very heart uh, and the very essence of the Long Chapel community and who um, each and every one of us, I believe, are. Um, and that is that if, if this church, like, if it isn't open to everyone in Jesus' name, then it isn't really open to anyone. Can, can you affirm that with me? That, like, if it's not really, yeah, can we celebrate that? Because I believe that... I believe uh, in every fiber of my being that that's true. Um, and like the tagline, but it really sets uh, everything in our mission statement. It sets it up, which is that all people matter to God. Do you believe that? Um, all people, all people, all people matter to God. And um, somehow if the, those of us that are seeking or searching or hurting in any way, shape or form are, are like not welcome in this place, then like I need to resign from Long Chapel tomorrow. I don't plan to do that because I know that this is a place where like in the moments when I'm most broken, um, that God can offer healing and wholeness to me. And I believe that God can do that for not just all of us, but, but for everyone. Um, and so can we um, appreciate the fact that a whole lot of different emotions, uh, a bit of a roller coaster in the last week in the life of the Long's Chapel family? And can we honor together the gift of what it means to be able to, no matter where we are in the midst of that, um, to be able to find an opportunity to be able to step forward together um, in faith, 
honoring the fact that um, we really do uh, long to not just bring glory and honor to God, but bring glory and honor to God by the way that we're reaching out uh, in radical, remarkable ways to be able to lift up the name of Jesus um, by uh, touching and reaching everyone with the good news um, of Christ. As we uh, have an opportunity to do that, I just uh, appreciate, and I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be able to be a part of this community of faith and to, to serve with you. Uh, it's a gift and a privilege, and it's one that I am immensely uh, grateful for. And so um, I know that we started a, a sermon series on healing a couple of weeks ago, um, and I believe that God is stirring healing. I love Pastor Tom's prayer today. I love what Caroline said uh, about kind of new opportunities and, uh, you know, the Jewish New Year. I love when uh, Joey kind of grounded us in a call to worship. Uh, and I just want to affirm that I, it's been a tough year. Has it not been? It's been a tough year. Um, it's been just incredibly hard. Uh, and we have the opportunity... Um, today to realize that over the last year, I really do believe that a lot of what it's meant to be a part of the Longs Chapel community has been that we've been, um, and I believe this to be pretty unfortunate, we've been living in the extremes of, of space and of faith. Um, it's not really where any of us thrive. It's not really the heart of who we are as a church. And, and in, to some degree, right, it just by the very nature of the process that we've been engaged in that was excessively prolonged, unnecessarily prolonged, um, that this us and them stuff ends today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it ends today because um, it's only us who's left serving in the life of Long's Chapel. And that's not because some artificial difference, because like it's only us because whoever was them is gone. No, absolutely. It's because like them is a part of us and it's only us who's left. And it's only us who's reaching other us's because in the eyes of God, we're, we're all us's and there actually are no thems. <laughs> I'm, that's horrible grammar, but good theology, right? <laughs> yeah. Vicky, please don't quote that for the paper because it'll sound horrible, but, but it works because it is, because uh, the woman at the well wasn't a them, she's an us, right? Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, like tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which no Jew would ever call any Samaritan good. I mean, that's just the nature and the dynamic of the relationships. And Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan because, um, well, there are no thems, it's only us because we're all us in the eyes of God, because we're all created in the image of God. Every single one of us. And so we have an opportunity, friends, to lean into the gift of um, what it means to be the body of Christ. And, and there are a host of folks outside of this individual body. Like a lot of us inside of this body kind of haven't really understood all of this. Uh, obviously, there are a ton of folks beyond the life of Long's Chapel that kind of don't understand a lot of this either. I, I have heard from several different folks this week that they really do feel like that the Long's Chapel that they knew and loved is, is dead. Um, I think the rumor of Long's Chapel's death has been grossly exaggerated. And... Um, Thank God we're a people of resurrection anyway, right? I mean, thank God that we believe that God takes like things that are struggling and broken and need extra life and sometimes don't have any life left in them. Like, like Jesus takes those very things in his hand and doesn't just raise them up to die again, but resurrects them 
so that like they have not just abundant but eternal but eternal life. We have the same opportunity and the same privilege. Um, I love how uh, it was a member of our church leadership team in this past Tuesday night said, hey, this is, um, you know, the reality is it's not really about what we say moving forward. It's about living into this radical grace, living into this uh, beautiful opportunity to have a, a remarkably diverse community of faith. It's, it's, it's about literally walking that walk, not just talking that talk. And so I just want to invite you to join with me in that. If um, God brings good stuff out of challenging stuff all the time, and so can we celebrate together that God's going to do some amazing and remarkable things? Can I say that again? God's going to do some amazing and remarkable things with the wilderness that we've been in over the last um, uh, 14 months, but definitely most specifically over, over this year. Um, and so all people matter to God. Amen. Thank God for that. There's a place for me and there's a place for you and there's a place for all. Uh, today we have an opportunity to continue our sermon series where we have a chance to, like I almost wanted to play a little bit of the Beatles song, like I'm getting by with a little help from my friends. Yes? And, and so if we do that, um, we have an opportunity in the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter, to actually just pull out one of several places, actually three places in the Gospels where this particular story is told. It's a profound one. It's a powerful one. I would just want to invite us into the story a little bit to find our place and our space. Um, and so as we do that, my prayer is that we'll be able to walk away with uh, just something tangible and practical about not, not only what does it mean to witness healing, I mean, witnessing healing is a pretty cool and amazing thing. Um, witnessing healing is a pretty cool and amazing thing. Have you ever had an opportunity to, um, to hold somebody's hand as um, they pass from this life to, to, to heaven? If you ever had an opportunity to do that, you know that like, it, to, witness, to witness healing is a remarkable thing. You ever like, had an opportunity to uh, have somebody tell you a story about how ill they were based on any circumstance in their life, physical, emotional, spiritual, how ill they were, and then to have them, like, you know, several weeks or months later, retell that story about how well they are. And, and you know how incredible that is to witness healing. But to participate in healing... But to actually participate in healing, the whole different ballgame. Um, Luke 5, beginning in verse 17. One day as, as he was teaching, um, Pharisees and religious scholars were sitting around. And uh, well, they had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far away as Jerusalem to be there. The healing power of God was on him. The healing power of God was on him. Would you say that with me? The healing power of God was on him. Verse 18, some, um, some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. Okay, and they were looking for a way to, well, get into the house and set him before Jesus. And when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, well, they weren't deterred. They went up on the roof they removed some tiles and they let him down into the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he says, friend, I forgive your sins. That set the religious scholars and Pharisees buzzing. Like, who does he think he is? Like, that's blasphemous talk. God and only God can forgive sins. 
Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking and said, why all this gossipy whispering? Which is simpler, to say, I forgive you sins, or to say, get up and start walking. Well, just so it's clear that I am the Son of Man and I'm authorized to do either or both, he now spoke directly to the man who was paralyzed, and he said, get up and take your bedroll and go home. And without a moment's hesitation, he did. He got up, he took his blanket, he left for home, giving glory to God all the way. The people rubbed their eyes, stunned, and they also gave glory to God, awestruck as they said, we've never seen anything like that. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can we pray together? Oh God, as we uh, have an opportunity to just open up our hearts and our spirits to the healing power that you offer by the power of your spirit and the opportunity that each and every one of us have, oh God, to not only be inspired, like to be curious about the power in this story and the inspiration of the scriptures, but, but to actually, oh God, be renewed and transformed and to find uh, new life in these words and new life in the scripture um, and the word that became flesh that offers them to us. Oh God, we just um, pray that you would, would give us um, the gift of healing in this moment. Because Jesus, we've learned that you do have the authority to say, rise up for you are forgiven. And you do have the authority, oh God, to say, rise up and walk and head home rejoicing and glorifying God all the way. Oh God, we're in awe and we're in wonder about how you do that kind of work. And we pray that you would, um, we'll just kind of lean into, lean into this moment, oh God, and draw near. Um, comfort and strengthen and encourage our hearts just as we need you to. Um, for we too, oh God, um, want to find ourselves forgiven. We too, oh God, want to find ourselves uh, released from a bit of the paralysis that we may have experienced in our walk with you. We too, oh God, um, long to be able to walk home. And we're even more um, encouraged, oh God, when we find the gift of home that goes with us anywhere in the powerful name of Jesus uh, and the beautiful spirit that walks with us. And it's in his name that we gather and pray and all God's people said, amen. Man, there's just so much that I hope that we could kind of pull out of this story. I'm just gonna try to walk through a couple of movements of this in the next, um, in the next 10 minutes. I, I just, just wanna invite you into this story and I want you to find your place. Okay, as I was saying a minute ago, I want you to find your place, not just in witnessing healing. Witnessing healing is amazing, but participating in healing, well, that's like a whole other thing. 
like a whole other thing. So like, as we kind of think a little bit about this story, here are the basic movements, right? Is that there is um, someone who is um, paraplegic is the way that this particular uh, translation of scripture actually talks about this particular person. This person has been paralyzed. This person is like has paralysis, not able to walk, not able to fully live, um, diminished in all kinds of ways. I'll remind you in Jesus's day that that kind of condition was often attached to sin in some kind of way. It could be your sin. It could be the sin of somebody that you loved. Um, but oftentimes it was like a direct affliction like that meant that you or somebody that you love had done something really wrong to make God really mad. Therefore, the blessing of full and restored life had been removed from you and you were encountering this, right? Jesus comes to obliterate that way of thinking and to obliterate that understanding of God. Jesus does that in a host of different ways. But in one of the ways that he's teaching seems like appropriate for today. Uh, he says, hey friends, he says, I don't know how you can believe that. Like the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Like, like the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Like we're all gonna encounter moments of glory and celebration and rejoicing. And we're all gonna encounter moments of brokenness and challenge and struggle. And can I put it in the language of this particular scripture? Friends, there are times when we're all going to be struck with some kind of paraplegicness where we're not gonna be able to walk or to live fully um, or to be able to, like we're gonna be paralyzed. Think about that, that image for just a minute. We're paralyzed, kind of like frozen in place, not able to really do in the way that we feel called to do. And I want you to think with me because the story doesn't make sense if we can't appreciate the burden of the one who was on the stretcher. If we can't appreciate the fact that we're all on the stretcher from time to time, that we're all on the stretcher from time to time. I mean, it's possible that, that the one on the stretcher here was feeling shame. The reality is we shouldn't feel shame on the stretcher because we're all on the stretcher from time to time. We're all paralyzed from time to time. And yet, and yet there seem to be four friends here who have heard rumors of the fact that Jesus has the power to heal and like beyond the rumors, they in some way, shape or form really do believe this or at the very least, they love their friend enough to try. They love their friend enough to try. And so like remarkable expression here through this particular story about what it means to be a friend, right? Not just someone who's willing to watch you be paralyzed, but someone that's willing to participate in your healing, like, can I say that again? Because it's really important. I know it's rainy and I know you guys are tired and it's a little dreary outside, but that's good gospel. That's good gospel. Like that's love. Love isn't just looking at someone and saying, oh, I hate that you're dealing with that. Love is like, I want to help get you to the one that can make you better. Like that's love. Not by the way, I'm going to force you into something. Not that, well, I'm ready for you to be healed. I don't know why you're not ready for you to be healed. Like, like none of that. That's not what this is about at all. But it is about, for these four friends, it's about like having, wanting to be able to, to lift up, like literally physically lift up a friend in need and, and, where they can't necessarily or won't necessarily or don't necessarily walk to where Jesus is to literally help lift them up and carry them and place them at the feet of Jesus. That's something of the faithfulness of these incredible friends that we have witness of today. It doesn't just impress me. It seems to impress Jesus. It seems to impress Jesus that what we have here are friends uh, who are not only willing to um, like pick up 
like pick up a stretcher and place their friend who can't walk on a stretcher and carry them to the house where Jesus is. Not only that, um, my daughter actually got, um, I get it all mixed up, the EMS training or the paramedic training, whichever one's the, the least of that. She wants to be a physician's assistant. So she's at her junior year at Carolina. And um, she um, was like, just telling me amazing stories. She got a chance to, to do her training in Charlotte. And so uh, she literally was like, you know, on the ambulance and, and went to like a host of the scene of, of crimes and, you know, houses where folks needed to be kind of taken out and taken to the hospital, difficult situations. Um, and, you know, it's a real challenging thing, right, to enter into somebody's life. And when they're in some kind of paralytic state, I'm using that word very generally, but when they're in some kind of paralytic state and they really can't carry much of their own weight at all, to lift them up, to, to lift them up, like that's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Even with the best technology that we have today, it's, it's a hard and difficult and difficult thing. That's what we have as a story of these friends, but that's not all. I think we, actually, I think we might actually have a picture of what a first century house um, kind of might look like in Jesus's day. Like Capernaum, if you, if you lived pretty well, this might be the kind of house that you might live in. Many houses wouldn't necessarily have uh, a second story, um, but, but others would, and that's why you would have you know, a space for animals and stuff below, some living space above. But these friends don't just... And I know the story is about Jesus, not just the friends, but bear with me for a minute. These friends don't just carry their friend to the house that's full of people, but they realize they can't actually get access to Jesus from the front. So they carry the dude upstairs on some kind of ladder apparatus thing. And then they um, like remove the tile. If it was a little bit of a a wealthier house, which would be a house that would be a little bit bigger to be able to hold the kind of crowd that Jesus would draw. That makes sense. So that's the way Luke tells the story. And they take the tiles off and you know what's underneath the tiles? Straw and mud. So they literally begin to pull apart the roof of the house to be able to drop their friend in. When's the last time, friends, that you got your hands dirty for somebody you love? When's the last time that you were willing to get your hands muddy for somebody you love? When's the last time that you were willing to like carry, help carry somebody who couldn't carry any of their weight themselves, but they like you and potentially others help find a way to, to lift them up a ladder? Like when's the last time that you were able to kind of set the tiles back? So think about these as obstacles, right? Pull the tiles back, the straw in the mud, you know, you do anything you can to, you know, just kind of dig your way with your hands to be able to. All of this is to be able to remove any obstacle that might prevent Jesus from being able to touch and help heal this man on the stretcher. And these friends are committed to removing any obstacle that is in their way to help healing happen by all means necessary. Jesus is impressed with that. Um, Jesus is impressed with that. The whole backdrop of this story is that there are Pharisees and religious scholars are now pressing in on Jesus and he absolutely unnerves them with the kind of miracle that he does here. 
Like either way, if he's like healing the guy and inviting him to, to stand up and, and walk, that's one thing. Um, but he's forgiving sins, which is something that only God and God alone can do, which Jesus has kind of removed the veil between um, like who God is and what God's about and what Jesus is about. And, and it was this amazing, incredible moment where this incredible thing is happening of forgiveness. This incredible thing is happening of restoration of, of health and somebody being able to be restored and whole. And all the Pharisees can think about, all the religious leaders can think about is whether Jesus actually has the authority to do the things that he's doing. Because that's sometimes what happens. And, and yet I want to invite you to drown out that noise, right? Drown out the noise of the Pharisees that are kind of barking at Jesus here. I want you to drown out the noise and I want to invite you to focus on the miracle, I want to invite you to focus on like what helped the miracle happen. It's the faithfulness of friends. Why the miracle was necessary. The person on the stretcher was paralyzed. I want you to think about what it means to be paralyzed in fear, paralyzed in frustration, paralyzed in grief, paralyzed in lament, paralyzed in like purpose. Like I don't know what's next for me. You ever been in that kind of season? Maybe you're in that kind of season right now. But, but friends, I just want to invite you I want to invite you to think about the gift of what it means. The gift of what it means to have friends. This is what church is, right? The, the gift of what it means to have friends that are willing to help lay you at, at Jesus' feet. To, to help your life be an offering that's laid at the altar of God. To be able to receive the forgiveness and healing that comes from that. And to be able to focus on the Jesus who um, here offers forgiveness, and with forgiveness comes healing. And with forgiveness. Did you notice that in this particular story, that forgiveness of sins is um, the prelude to the walking miracle? I'm not gonna ask, I'm not gonna ask you which, which miracle is actually like more profound, but there are like one miracle that leads to another, a miracle here. And, and they both are what Jesus seems to be about. And because it's what Jesus seems to be about, it's, it's like what we should be about. Um, I ran into a quote this week. It just really touched me. It's, it's unknown author. I couldn't trace down where it came from, but it said, you are built to handle the pressure that comes with your calling. Doesn't that sound like a car commercial? <laughs> But, it's, but it, it, there's some gospel in that, right? Like you are built to handle the pressure that comes with your calling. In other words, God would never call you to something. God would never call you to something without equipping you with everything that's needed to fulfill that calling. God would never do that because it's actually not who God is. Can I close um, this um, sermon with like, maybe like my favorite all-time non-biblical story, but man, it may be more biblical than we can appreciate. Um, it goes something like this. My dad's over here, and, and this is a story that, um, that he used to tell, and it, it, um, it has like stuck into my soul my whole entire life, um, but it's just one I want to I close the sermon with today. Uh, some of you have heard it. It's, um, it's actually like a Coast Guard-ish story on a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. There was once a little life-saving station 
The building was primitive and there was like just one boat, but the, but the members of the life-saving station, they were committed and kept a constant watch over the sea. And when a ship went down, they unselfishly went out for a day or a night to save the boat because like so many lives, so many lives were saved by that station, it actually became pretty famous. Well, consequently, many people wanted to be associated with that station and they gave their time and their talent and their money to support its important work and new boats were bought and new crews were recruited and a formal training session was offered and as the membership in the life-saving station grew, some of the members... Some of the members became unhappy with the building. So um, it was so primitive and the equipment was outdated and they wanted a better place to welcome the survivors that were pulled from sea. And so they, they replaced the, um, the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the enlarged and newly decorated building. And now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. And they met regularly, and when they did, it was apparent how they loved one another, and they greeted each other, and they hugged each other, and they shared with one another the events of what had been going on in their lives. But fewer members are now interested in going out to sea on life-saving missions. So they just decided that they would hire lifeboat crews to do that, that messy and dirty work. So about this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast and the hired crews brought in the life-saving station boats of like cold and wet and dirty, sick, half-drowned people. And so some of them like, well, like some of them had like just like all kinds of dirt all over them. They were folks that were from all different places. They were like bruised and had bluish yellow skin. Like some could speak English. Some actually couldn't speak English very well. Some were first-class cabin passengers of the ship and others were deck hands. Like the beautiful meeting place had become a place of chaos and the plush carpets got dirty and like some of the exquisite furniture it got scratched and so the property committee immediately had a shower built outside of the house where the victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before they came inside <laughs> y'all recognize the story at the next meeting, right, there was a riff in the membership and most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activity for they were like unpleasant and it was a hindrance to the normal fellowship of the members that were there. Other members insisted that the life-saving was like the primary purpose and they pointed out that like, well, they're actually still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and they were told that if they wanted to save the lives of like, you know, all kinds of folk that were shipwrecked at sea, well, they could just do their own thing down the coast. And so you know what they did? Like, that's what they did. And as the years passed, new stations began to appear up and down the coast that had the same kind of story. Originally, this life-saving mission and like then this like just kind of fellowship of, of a club for members and then committee meetings and then, well, like, you know, like sessions to kind of rehash what their mission actually was. And well, then like few actually went out for, for drowning people. Why? Because the drowning people were no longer welcomed in that new life-saving station, and then the others that evolved in their own way as well. And so um, the story as it goes is that on that particular seacoast, there are still shipwrecks that happen all the time. But the reality is there are a whole bunch of fancy buildings on that coast, but there are actually very few that are willing to get in the water and go save those who are hurting and lonely and broken and hurt. Friends, I know to my core, I know to my core the kind of church that Long's Chapel is. Do you? 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks and praise for the ways that you move and work and the gift of your spirit. We find ourselves, oh God, in the midst of um, a pretty remarkable time in the life of this part of your church. An opportunity, oh God, to lean into a new day, which yes, causes lament and yes, causes joy and every emotion in between. And yet, oh God, the opportunity that is ours to be able to have confidence in not only the mission that you've given us, which has never changed, and not only, oh God, the opportunity for each and every one of us to find a place in that mission, but the gift of what it means, oh God, to realize that um, the best folks to go out in the water and help rescue and offer saving to others are those of us that have been saved ourselves and rescued and redeemed ourselves. And so, God, as we find ourselves on a journey, we're grateful for your presence in it. Pray that you would um, continue to center us in the power of your spirit and release us for the work that we are called to do in your name, which we are already equipped for in ways uh, that are beyond our imagination. And so in the strong and precious name of Christ, we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.